because I feel like I'm one step away from going full Hasselhoff when I wear a button up. <laughs> exactly. You know, like, you're like, <laughs> exactly. That's the bonus for yes! Luke. Why is this a problem? <laughs> it's all he wants in life. Why is it so wrong to want to be like Hasselhoff? It isn't wrong. I don't know. I hear he's really big in Germany. I just, why is it wrong to want to get drunk and eat a, eat a cheeseburger talking about how, you, how your life is falling apart while your grown-up daughter films you? Aww. And you're not wearing a shirt. Do we all remember that? It was a couple years ago. It was very weird. <laughs> Hello and happy Halloween, Catching Foxes fans. Hope you all remembered to go to Mass, because today is a holy day of obligation. In this episode, we interview a dear friend of ours, Rebecca Murphy, also known as Rally Roscoe. She is awesome. We basically cover her entire life story, and it is entertaining. She is a washed-up EWTN personality and a has-been youth minister. I think that's what she said. Also, want to remind you all to head on over to patreon.com for your new content. I just interviewed Matt Frad and his new podcast, Sibling Horror, because apparently Matt Frad and his sister Emma love to write horror short stories, which is unsettling in itself. So we talk about whether Christians should belong to the horror genre or delight or enjoy it. And then we dive in to Halloween. So you can find all of that on patreon.com slash CF. And finally, I want to give a special shout out to catholicsocial.media for sponsoring this show. I don't even know if I have an hour's worth of things to say. I mean, I can I can talk for an hour, but I don't know if anything's important. That's, the, that's, that's listen, all this is... Is just f- like trying to find stuff to say and then just putting it into audio form. And then yeah. the money comes rolling in. I know. I know. <laughs> Listen, I'm praying for your 25 uh, supporters to show up and to pay for everything. <laughs> Luke, did you listen to the episode? Oh, I, I said 25. Oh, the playback. The playback was gold when you 25 <laughs> page. What did you say? 25 <laughs> people. 25 people. That was yeah. awesome. That was a great edit. <laughs> I was laughing. Oh, you played it back? <laughs> you son of I Like listening. three times in a row. It was great. Well, because when we were recording, I said, I said, I go, you said 25. You go, no, I said 2,500. I go, no, you said 25. And you go, no, I didn't. I go, roll the tape. But that's when we were recording. <laughs> so I literally went back and I took that. And I, I put like great. huge reverb and echo on it. And then I just played it over and it over. It was excellent. Again. I was out walking my baby and the dog. And I was like laughing hysterically. People were like, you're crazy. But. It was fun. We will take the podcast full time if we have 25 people support us. If we have 25 people support us, 25, 25, 25. Can I tell you a thing that, that happened while I was at Mass that confused me? <laughs> I get. So, it's your uh, podcast. You say it. <laughs> thanks. So, like, we've all worked for the church at one point in time, right? Indeed. Okay. So, I was at Mass and they were doing something about the communions, uh, communions, uh, Oh, shoot, Luke. You really should have paid attention to a lot of things in life. Um, <laughs> catechumens. They're doing the whole cate- catechumen. They invite them up, like, one by one. The, f- like, the person's getting all of them. The, like, you know, baptism and up. People who are getting just confirmation, Holy Eucharist. And then they had – so they, like, did uh, – they did – they had a blessing for them. And then they had their sponsor do, like, a blessing on, like, their forehead and then their mouth. And I, and I was like, their hands I don't remember. or whatever. Yeah. yeah, and then and like we're all just like watching them do this while there's like soft music playing in 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 the background, <laughs> and I was so confused. I'm like I've never seen this before. What's happening? Yeah. Is that normal? The right of welcome, my friend. The right of welcome. Yeah. So it is normal. 
I didn't know they yeah. did all. I thought they just did the forehead because that's what they do at your um, baptism too. No, you the signing of the senses for the you can do it for both catechumens and candidates if you do a mix right. And I know it's because I did this four weeks ago. Uh, but I we we wrote the <laughs> <laughs> slow clap loop. Thank you, Luke. Uh, but no, they you do this. It's optional to do all the you do the senses. You do their hands and feet as well. And we were like, we have 24 people. We are not doing yeah, all of this. Yeah, you'll be here till next so year. So we just trimmed it to, if it said optional, it was gone. The whole thing. That's how I wrote it. They used to do their reproductive organs, but then 2001 happened. <laughs> <laughs> the signing of the genitals. I don't want to do this. You can freaking do it in front of everyone. Oh, my gosh. Why is this McCarrick guy insisting that we do this? This is very weird. Scandal. So many tears. <laughs> Laughing, crying tears. Oh, there it is. <laughs> there it is. You're welcome. You're welcome. Oh, I hope that he listens out there in Kansas. Oh, poor Kansas. <laughs> poor Kansas. Poor Kansas. Poor Kansas. All right, so let's begin. Luke. Yeah, like, does anyone know who I am or why I'm here? No, listen, I've been saying this for 220 episodes. It would all make sense if we just had an, if, if you did an intro, Gomer, in the beginning after you were editing. And then you say, here's our conversation with Rebecca Roscoe uh, Murphy. I don't know why. I, I, I keep, it's going to be very hard to not just call you Rebecca Roscoe. Yeah. No, it will always be Roscoe. Yeah, Rally Roscoe. Rally Roscoe. Everyone who's, everyone who's pre-marriage still refers to me as Roscoe. High school friends. It's such, it just, yeah. it's, it's good. Uh, I think this is the right word. Alliteration. Yeah. Rebecca Roscoe. Rebecca oh, Roscoe. Yeah. It, it, Rebecca it Roscoe. rolls off the tongue. He should have taken your last name when you married your hubby. Yeah, really, really. It would have made sense because yeah. Murphy's like the most common last name in the world. Yeah, and like, so, like everybody. Hi, Rebecca Murphy. Boring. Rebecca Roscoe. <laughs> Monster trucks and explosions. Exactly. Where are you rally Roscoe? That was a camp. That was the, um, the oh, on Twitter. Twitter. That's where the, the name came You're from, also from camp, but it's that's my yeah. handle or whatever. I don't know. Is that the term? Is that the term the kids use? Yes. Yeah, the kids use handle. Uh, and they also use the phrase cyberspace yeah. and web. The web. So I want to tell really, you what. I'm really pushing 40, like, very close. I'm, like, toeing the line to 40 in the next few weeks. So I'm old. There you officially, go. Officially. Uh, can I, I, I do want to point out one real quick thing, Luke, real quick. Mm-hmm. So when me and you made fun of Cher for 40 minutes, oh gosh, we made a comment where you were talking about Cher walking around on a fishnet thong <laughs> on the battleship. It's just tons of soldiers being like, hey, we're on a battleship with Cher. <laughs> no, but you said, Luke, uh, a woman who's in her 40s shouldn't be doing that. And the first person to reply was Rebecca. <laughs> yes. And she was like, as someone who is almost in their 40s, I'm sort of taking offense to that. If I were to wear a fishnet thong on a battleship with a bunch of 20-year-old um, Navy men, I'm going to do that. <laughs> That's right. It's all I've ever wanted in life. If I could turn back time, if I could find a way. <laughs> you will. You will. Huge American flags and on a ship singing a song. Um, so here's I, – I, I, I have a funny story to tell you. It's really – it's not that funny, so I'll try to keep it short. But every time you post <laughs> anything, either on the Facebook or on the Instagrams, I always think back to my freshman orientation because you did, like, an entertainment thing. Where, so for everyone who yes. doesn't know, at, at the mothership, when you do orientation – uh, I want to get everyone from people to start calling it that the mothership. Anywho, is the bubble um, gone? Do we not call it the bubble anymore? Is it still the bubble? 
I mean, it's that. It's definitely that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely that. But, um, (laughs) uh, and you did the funniest thing. So during orientation, you had this like entertainment part where people like do these fun skits to explain what the rules are and all the stuff and blah, blah, blah. Right. Totally. And you did one that was, you had a few that were like really funny. I don't remember. It was like you and some dude. I, I don't remember who. And I just always go, she did that thing that was so funny. And I think about it, like, like every time you post, my first thought is, oh, yeah, she did that really funny thing back in 2001. That is so funny. that I don't even, I don't even remember that I was on the entertainment team. You have such a better <laughs> memory than me. You are. I know I did orientation. <laughs> I just couldn't have told you I was on the entertainment team. Oh, my gosh, my brain. Weird, What's right? What's wrong with it? Children. But I will tell you, I will tell you something that you will remember. What's that? You were on, you were on Life on the Rock. Oh, well, how could anyone ever forget that? I'm How also in Jeff Cadence's book, if you really want to know. Oh, is it before or after his dad punches him? <laughs> oh, man. I haven't actually read the it, book. It's in the picture section. <laughs> <laughs> Confessions. <laughs> oh, you want truth? You just flipped the page 128. About, yeah. about EWTN. I can bust some of those out for you, man. No, I don't. I never please, read that please. book. Please. No, right now we're going to spend about 10 minutes talking about EWTN. So, okay, so for people who don't, because we, we do have a lot of Gen Z people who have no idea because EWTN is just all, it's just a, a mouthpiece just to get like, I'm Raymond Arroyo onto Fox News now. Uh, what? Uh, we can either confirm nor deny that that's what they're doing there. Yeah, we can either confirm nor deny that that's what, that, that you know, it's a big thing <laughs> to make them get on Fox News. <laughs> Sorry. Anyways, um, or or a tiny thing. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what kind of a thing is going on. We don't on. know. We, we can't, can't confirm, confirm or deny. Or, 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 or deny. Right. But uh, so, like, what is life on the rock, or what was on life on the rock? I don't even, okay. know, I don't well, even know if it's still on. Sh- should we back up of th- why I'm on your show? Because I'm a has been EWTN star and a washed up youth minister. Like, that's yes. Why I'm here, yes, basically. That's, yes, that's really why. Why we're that's here. why Catching Foxes invited <laughs> me on. Yeah. It's just <laughs> air your grievances. Yeah, I used to do things, and now I don't do things, but I don't know, chase children around and wipe butts mostly. Um, really the same thing as you. Oh, never mind, it's not true. It all sounds weird. Youth protection, youth protection. Yeah. We, it's a joke that's funny in your head, and then when you say it out loud, you're like, that's right, McCarrick. I shouldn't say that. Yeah, I was going to say, post-church scandal. Post-church yeah. scandal. McCarrick ruined all the funny jokes. Oh, jeez. Scandal. Go on, Rebecca. When I was young, we were in a um, family prayer group in our community here, and charismatic the Francis- group. We'll say it again. Was was it a was it a charismatic cult? No, 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 not not uh, exactly. Bummer. But it was it was, was it was a just a family prayer group rosary group. It was definitely um, very conservative, and uh, we had a lot of um, the Franciscan friars from EWTN used to come, and um, they were sort of a presence to us. A lot of them as when they were brothers, um, before they are priests now, many of them are close friends still to this day, whatever. So they would come and a lot of us families like got to know them over time, whatever. And then, um, a bunch of us got into through sort of them and EWTN. We started going on youth 2000, uh, retreats. Y'all familiar with youth 2000 yeah. CFRs, the whole Not thing. Not so much, but I've heard of it. I, I, I know there's one in Kentucky right by where I live. Yeah, yeah, Owensboro, or that's where, that was one of the first ones I ever went to was in Owensboro. Yeah, so the CFRs, basically it's like a less 
hyper version of a Steubenville conference, I guess, for lack of a better way of, because they have like adoration, like almost perpetually through the whole thing, like in the main space where they give talks and do all this stuff. And the the CFR's friars are the like, I guess the order, whatever. So we started going to that when I was in high school and it coincided around the same time EWTN was trying to get like hip with the kids in the nineties, which now sounds like <laughs> 23 years ago, which is what it was. It was oh, everything no, no, no. that you thought it'd be everyone. Everything oh, that you thought it'd be. It was all the things. Oh, it was, it was, it was a man in an Oxford shirt giving talks. In front of, yes. <laughs> With a spray painted background thing <laughs> yes. on, on the wall. Cause the a hood, very, a very rough looking coffee shop set <laughs> that had diamond, like Harlequin style diamond walls and this fake, uh, cappuccino machine that was made out of like foam and they spray painted it gold and it was just elaborate. Wonderful. And, um, yeah. So we had, we had sort of at our high school, I went to a Catholic high school or the main Catholic high school in Birmingham. There's only one really. And um, we had a prayer group that sort of sprung off of going to youth two thousands. And so when they were starting the show, you, um, Jeff Cavins came and they were looking for hip and faithful youth to like populate the set while they were recording, to make it look like a very natural situation in this coffee <laughs> shop where we all sat and stared at the counter of Jeff Cavins and, uh, oh gosh, Mary Beth Bonacci and uh, Father Stan Fortuna and, oh, who was the... Um, the uh, Jim Beckman probably just was there at some point in time. Yeah, he probably was. The white-haired <laughs> um, lady who did all the chastity stuff. And she had, um, oh gosh, what's her name? I know I you're talking about her. I can picture her, but I can't. She was a big... A little bit of poop in the brownies. That lady? A little poop in the brownies. <laughs> Gross, maybe. Remember that? She was... Would you eat brownies? What if I told you there was a little bit of poop? She was like... That's what it's like when you're messing around with unchastity. A little bit of poop in the brownies. That probably is her. She was like an older yeah. lady, and she did like a lot yeah, yeah, of CDs yeah. Yeah. and like... Oh, her name is escaping. There were a lot of chastity speakers. Um, yeah. And then really... Oh, gosh. Radix. They were Radix. on there. and Yeah. Um, we did a whole thing on yes, that. <laughs> I remember. Oh, I'm familiar with all that. So anyways. Um, Very spiritual. So somehow, spiritual. because I was an outspoken teenager, and uh, I guess they needed somebody who was edgy. They, I believe Gomer can speak to the, the edgy vibe of <laughs> 1997, <laughs> Rebecca Roscoe, yeah. with the jet yeah. black dyed hair and the funky clothes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I did a whole thing on Instagram um, a couple years ago that was like, um, my hashtag was something about 1990s, whatever fashion by Rebecca, 1990 or whatever, man, let me tell you, I was bringing, a, I was bringing a lot of stuff to EWTN that they were not familiar with. Let's put it that a way. A lot of chokers, a lot of chokers, a lot of wide leg pants, like purple cords, you know, vans, all the things that, mm. you know, they're not used to. Oh yeah. Hep necklaces. Still hip. So anyways, I remember, uh, my parents were super big into the whole apologetics movement thing. Right. So they had all the Scott Hahn audio cassettes and the Tim Staples and the Jeff Cavins and all that stuff and Marcus Grody stuff. And so, they, you know, they were huge supporters of EWTN and all that. And so they would make me watch it and uh, I would happily watch it. The only show I ever liked on EWTN was Life on the Rock. Because there were and, kids um, on it. We were so hip. Yeah, so hip. And Franciscan <laughs> University Presents, which was like their nerdiest show. Yes. And I would watch them even uh, even at, at, at Franciscan. I would go rent the video cassettes yeah, you would. and watch it's them. It's weird. In a... so, <laughs> so 
<laughs> no, That's but amazing. let me say this. I, I used to be like, so they would always show this blonde girl that was like. Yes, Catherine. Little squeaky clean. And then they would cut to you on the emails. And I always just felt like they should have had like a, a heavy metal guitar every time they showed you. Like, hey, I'm Rebecca and I'm here to rock. I'm here to read you the, the fake emails. Buckle uh, up. There was Buttercup. one real email from Gomer from Spring, Texas that you read on the show. What? Are you serious? You read That's amazing. one of my emails and you went, here we go. We got <laughs> Gomer. <laughs> and I was like, she said my name. <laughs> oh my gosh. If I had known I had so many fans, I didn't. I did not do a lot of dating in high school. Let's just leave it there. I was the, I was the antithesis of Luke in high school. So, <laughs> I, uh, if I had known there were so many Catholic gentlemen out there who were watching EWTN and like yeah. getting their Catholic Gosh, jollies why does the camera on, keep I'd... going to Jeff? Put Rally Roscoe back on. Yeah. But, but when I say they were fake emails, so I did not get the emails live. All the emails are pre-read before they are on the air. So, And some of them are edited based on how they are written graphic slash, content yeah teens terrible content. grammar yes what's up bitches <laughs> i have a question about <laughs> yeah so they were not like and it wasn't even a real computer people are always like what it wasn't a real computer it was like it was it was i mean it was a computer screen but they had it like hooked up that somebody else was actually running a computer in a different room and it was just like a screen share Hey, 90s tech, they were doing pretty good. They were just like screen sharing the emails that somebody else was controlling to me. So I was just like reading them. That's not bad. They, so, they couldn't let you mess it up. No, right. They didn't want me to touch. Like right now, they're like, don't touch anything. Just <laughs> pretend like ticka, 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 ticka on the computer. And then, you know, you're not actually doing anything. So, yeah. So then I, uh, at one point, they did an episode where they were like, um, we, like people always write in and they want to know like who all these kids are who are on the set. And so like a few of us, they like interviewed us as the guests on EWTN, kind of like this. Like they were like, we're out of guest ideas. Let's have these kids on. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that's when I told Jeff Cavins I was planning to take his job. And then our relationship went downhill after that. <laughs> he was like, what? Jeff is a vengeful, vengeful man. Really? Oh yeah. It's on, it's on. If you, if you want to go and rent the VHS tapes from a uh, Franciscan library, you can see me telling Jeff Cavins on television that I wanted to take his job, which I didn't eventually, but because no, he was replaced by a hip fryer. Oh yeah, very hip. Didn't Jeff have like a stroke or something? I don't think so. He's got a radio show in like he, Minnesota. He had or some something. crazy disease or some crazy medical thing. I remember him talking about his hand just stopped working, his arm, like and Bell's palsy, chest pains, or something. No, like that? but he like stopped doing Life on the Rock for like six weeks came back a few times and then they handed it off to that might have happened when i went to franciscan that's you know what i think that's it i think that's it because if you're saying 97 yeah yeah because you were a senior when we were freshmen right uh uh, let's see i graduated from franciscan in 02 i was 98 to 02 oh you were were a junior yeah i was gonna say i didn't think i thought i was there at least two years with you gomer and then with shannon whatever three no because no, because that would have been your first year, Gomer, because we were there. We got there 01. We got there in the fall of 01. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Why am I the only one who always remembers this stuff? No, I was thinking o- when she said 02, I was like, oh, I started in 01. Not realizing it's a school year, not a uh, Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. I, was so in was, the, I had moved into the projects in 01, so I was actually off campus. It's not that I think about it every day, but I do. 
Um, <laughs> every so often, Luke just sends us a text message. He's like, "What's it called? Amazing." <laughs> Man, before that was like whatever St. Francis Heights or whatever fancy schmancy name it has now. Yeah. When it was legit, the projects and kids would come and try to sell you like yeah. half-eaten little debbies and stuff, and they'd be like, "You want to buy this for twenty-five cents?" I'll sell it to you for 25 cents. I'd be like, I don't really want your germs. You ate half of that. So no, thank you. I do not want to buy that for 25 cents. I would just have kids come up to me and go, can I have a dollar to go to the pool? I'd be like, yeah, sure. Oh, you're so <laughs> generous. Fun, kids. He's like, ah, you they just- were so cute. They were so funny. And they'd run around. I don't know about when y'all were there, but the uh, shopping cart. See, when I was there, it was still, I don't even think it was like half and half. Cause we were like the first or second year in the projects. It was still <laughs> very, the projects and we still got i mean i assume y'all got the check from the government that like paid yep. for your housing there it, it did was, it was fantastic it was fantastic i'm like this is like the greatest Wonderful. thing i never bit yeah like anytime i hear anyone who, who uh who always um, talks about how much they had to pay for like housing um, once they moved off campus i'm like <laughs> I, I, I didn't pay anything I know you got. I got paid. I got paid to live yeah. there. It was fantastic. And our and our and our uh, service. Uh, we required to do service hours. We were by the U.S. government. That was part of Bill Clinton's. Uh, yeah, it was part of Bill Clinton's welfare reform with Newt Gingrich. But our service hours was to go to college. <laughs> none of us did anything. We just went to. College. I know. I was gonna say. Oh, I don't so remember funny. doing anything like that. I didn't even do that. Yep. <laughs> jokes on them you were, a, you were a master of college luke you just I was, mastered yeah. what what college was round six that's right uh, luke's still running oh, i used to i used to run around this is how like college is just wasted on stupid kids i used to run around campus in my pajama pants when i would go on a run. literally last night I shared that story with like three people who don't know you except from the podcast or not last night it was yeah yeah no like it was with Shane. i go run? Like exercising run? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Luke yeah, yeah, would wear yeah. these flannel pajama pants. He would go for a jog, yeah. and he would come back and be like, oh, I'm so tired. And he would just lay down and take a nap that, in said pajama pants. That is the weirdest With, thing. They would have the button on front. like It was straight up like real pajama pants. What? I was bold. It was very, that very, is very bold. bold. That yep. is very yeah, bold. Yeah, so was the smell. So was the smell. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, this has been where we relive college on Catching Foxes. I'm going to try not to. I'm going to try not to. Well, we had sort of slightly different experiences at Franciscan because of being there at different times. So it was like, I think there were some things that were just like slightly different for us old people, you know. So then um, from there you go in the youth ministry. And we have a lot of people who work in in youth ministry who listen. Why do you work in youth ministry? Everyone, I, I don't understand. Uh, like, like, why did you go in to youth ministry? Like, what was well, the... so I didn't, I actually went back, to, came back to Birmingham and worked at EWTN for I'm a liar. I apologize for like five soul sucking months where I thought there was no hope for anything. In oh, life. please explain <laughs> why. Why? It was, why? The most, yeah. it was the most depressing five months of my life. Um, as a producer, I got hired as a producer and, um, yeah, you were a comm major, right? I was. I was theology. Yeah, somehow and, I knew that. That's that's weird. Yeah, well, because so yeah. we didn't have to have back then, like, well, it was required because I was a theology major, obviously, because everyone's a theology major. Am I right? Yep. Very practical. And of course, you had to have a, yes, of course. So they were like, yes, you have to have some other, like, practical whatever. And so mine was um, communication arts. So, which, because... Why Even not? more practical. Because <laughs> right? why not? I actually did not know. I did not think I was going to go into youth ministry. That was not something I was aiming for. 
surprisingly. Um, I did want to yeah. work in communication arts. I did not particularly want to work at EWTM, but I'm like, it's a good place to start, whatever. Um, came home, got hired on as a producer. The president of EWTN at the time was essentially Mr. Burns from The Simpsons. He has really? long since passed. <laughs> um, God rest his soul. Oh, How so? Like he looked exactly like him. And oh, reminded amazing. me reminded me of him when he spoke, like straight up. All I could think was, "This is Mr. Burns." Like every time I would see him, um, <laughs> that's awesome. But anyways, it, I I have to say, I enjoyed the people I worked with. It was a surprisingly not Catholic slash um, fairly young staff like group of people, editors, and you know, because these are all people who do you know, TV and radio and that kind of stuff. So um, I loved a lot of the people I worked with and had made great friends, but I had such big dreams and ideas coming out of um, Franciscan. Are people wasting We're going to make EWTN hip and young and cool. Yes. You come out thinking like you're going to change like everything in the world because that is the, that is the, how you feel empowered by the end of Franciscan that you are oh, like totally. a Catholic yeah. who's got yeah. all the info in it's the palm amazing. of your hand. And yeah. like, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to be the one who like changes everything. And I'm going to like walk into EWTN and be like, here's my grand ideas. And I'm going to like modernize this and make it great for young people. And like, I had written my thesis about, you know, John Paul II and, and the world communications aid and youth, youth of the uh, blah, blah, youth. Of, come on now, Luke, I'm channeling you. It happens. Use of the media. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Nothing but love. Um, use of the media to like evangelize. <laughs> Slow <laughs> clap you. emoji. It was an easy idea. joke. That was low hanging fruit, you know. Nah, that's fair. I deserve it. I'm gonna go cry now. <laughs> so it didn't. It wasn't like that. And uh, I was like, I'm gonna die here, soulless and hating the church. And um, so I quit after like. I was one of my first big lessons in life that my dad, who's awesome, um, who happens to also be a deacon now, um, or was a deacon at the time too, but like guided me. And he's a really good business person. Actually, Gomer, off off topic sometime, I'll have to tell you about what my dad does because you'd probably find it pretty interesting related to prison ministry stuff. Um, but anyways, so I was like, I can't do this. I'm going to like, I'm going to just be miserable and all my excitement and joy for like wanting to serve the church is going to be sucked out of me. All right, here's the deal. You ain't got no staff, no time, and certainly no budget to make creating compelling content for social media in any way a priority. So what do you do as a Catholic parish? Probably what most parishes do. And you just copy and paste things straight from your bulletin page onto your Facebook page. Man, that ain't no way to live. And yet, all the millennials, Gen Xers, and even grumpy, fussy baby boomers are online like 24-7, which means your church can be online like 24-7. And they don't just want you to have a presence online. They want it to be good, like like really, really good. That's why CatholicSocial.media exists. You subscribe to them, and they hook you up with daily social media posts that you can personalize for your parish without their, like, logo all over the stuff. You know, like when you illegally pull stuff from Google Image Search, and it has other people's logos all over everything? Not that I've ever done that. I am as pure as the morning dew. CatholicSocial.media is a Catholic company with Catholic artists, designers, writers, and videographers coming up with the very best stuff for your parish. And you can look like a genius and save time and money. Head on over right now to try.catholicsocial.media. 
Apparently, the design nerds over there are big fans of Catching Foxes, and they created a free trial with a discount code FOXES for you just to try out their stuff and see if it's a good fit for your parish. That's a free trial with the promo code FOXES over at try.catholicsocial.media. Special thanks to catholicsocial.media for sponsoring this show. Well, what, what was it specifically that was so miserable? Was it just like the fact that you're churning out the same content no matter who you had? Right. Nobody, <laughs> nobody wanted to hear. Nobody was interested in at that time. It was kind of one of those things where it was like I was like 10 years too early on like excitement for like using the media to like, you know, evangelize the young church and whatever. Like EWTN just like wasn't there yet. You know what I mean? You know, movie making or like it, a lot of the things that have come out you know, since then, like all of this, like the Franciscan friars using social media on Instagram and things like that, you know, the things that are so commonplace now, it was like just too soon for yeah. that. And they were like, you can't like, these are not things that will speak to the EWTN audience. These ideas, like nobody's going to buy that right now. Nobody's buying what you're selling. Like at this point in the game, yeah. EWTN. And, um, so I was just like, I can't, I can't stay here. I'm miserable. And my dad was like, there, this, this was like one of the best lessons he ever taught me as an adult was like, he was like, you don't ever have to stay at any job. No one's making you stay at any job. If you are miserable and like, you don't want to be there, you don't have to be there. You're not like, like, this is not the end of your life. This is not, cause I was like, I can't at 20, you know, in your twenties, Yeah. you make these decisions and then you, you think like, if I quit a job, like, am I going to find another job? Am I going to whatever? And like, I'm just gonna have to stay with this for the rest of my life, even if it's the worst thing or whatever. And, um, so anyways, I quit long story short, I quit. And, um, I worked for my church and somebody invited me to be on the core team. Um, I worked in my, for my church at the child development center, um, teaching preschool, which is like, just was like a job to do. And, uh, cause I like kids and everything like that. And I was like, yeah, I can do this. And, um, someone invited me to be on the core team for, um, a particular youth organization, <laughs> Youth group. I don't know if I need to name can, it or not name it. Can you not say life team? I don't know. I, I, you know, I wasn't allowed to say it on EWTN for many, many years. It was a bad word. Like, you were not allowed to talk Isn't about it. Isn't it funny, though? But life team started on EWTN. I know. I know. As a show. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Monsignor Dale and Phil Banowitz and Tom Booth had a show called Life Team. I don't know. Did they record it in Mesa, Arizona? And just like, I think so. Because they had the big studios yeah. and everything over there. They so, still do. Was there like a big split then between those, like a lot of arguments or just? Well, it's all liturgical. Oh, it started yeah. off being so liturgical because Life Team wanted the kids around the altar and closer to the, you know, and they used Center to. of the church. And, I don't Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the very thing of, of Life Team's symbol was uh, like a diamond shape with these little weird little crescents. And it's like, that's the like an upward shot or a downward shot of uh, kids around the altar. Right. And yeah. so that was like the symbol of life team for so but long. But isn't it mm -hmm. so interesting how people view a life team? Because I've, I've, I've actually heard this before, how people, um, they actually viewed life team as being this like crazy, almost liberal thing. And it's not that at all. No, no. But it, and that was the thing that I felt like I, when I started like, um, I started volunteering, I was on the core team. And that's when I started to fall in love with like youth ministry. And I was like, wait, like, I love this. I love this. And I started to discover, like, wait, I actually think I have some, like, gifts and talents that could, like, be successful in this. But that was the thing was, first, you know, for people who are interested in trying to pursue youth ministry who might be listening to this, you know, the, the concept of, like, walking out of college or focus or whatever different thing and, like, walking into youth ministry position is 
was foreign to me because that was just like not how I understood it to happen. Like I went and I served my time was under the tutelage of the youth minister. And I basically was like, look, I want to learn from you because I'd like to do this in the future and all this stuff. And then, and I just like through just working and volunteering, I realized like, that's where I wanted to be. That's what I wanted to do. Like, I just loved it. I was just like, so on fire for serving the youth and building those relationships and doing all that. And then I learned, yeah, I learned about life teen and I was like, wait, this is like not, why was this such a bad word? I think the reason it was a bad word kind of at the network was because that was like during the time when there was the whole, wasn't there a scandal related for a while there to life teen? Well, yeah. Father Dale. I mean, Father Dale was booted. Right. And so I think right. there and was so like that's, a split But that started when I was a youth minister. That was in 2005. So that was the year I, I started for... being a youth minister too, was 2005. Okay. So maybe it was 2006 when I finally went to Mesa, Arizona for their training and Monsignor Dale was removed from all stuff because of the accusations. Right. But he had dinner with us one night with the new youth ministers. And everyone's like, oh, I can't wait till they get rid of these charges. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Scandal. But it was, no, EWTN hated. I remember there was someone at Life Team who said, so I got a book. And they want me at uh, EWTN on their bookmark show. But. Uh, and so I was like, oh, that's going to be awesome, blah, blah, blah. I was talking with this individual who will remain nameless. And I said, uh, how how did it go? And uh, he said, well, I walked up and this woman was so nice. She worked in reception. And I told him who I was. And I said, I work for Life Team, blah, blah, blah. And then she just got the angriest look on her face and said, sit there. I'll go get the, you know, whoever you need or whatever. Oh and it was just like, oh, my gosh. They really, really hate us. Yeah. No, it was, I mean, we were literally, I was, you so I came in after I had been doing youth ministry, I had been the youth minister for a year or two. I came on the show again, um, to the show life on the rock show, um, with reunion. Yeah. <laughs> with, um, with Blondie, not Kevin Dalton. <laughs> Do you, did you know Kevin, you knew Kevin Dalton was he in your, yeah. his brother, uh, with the glasses, um, was a youth minister from Denver, I think. And he was on, as a guest, Sean, Sean, Sean is that right? Yeah. I think that's right. So yeah, he did focus for a long time. That's how I know. Yeah. So, so we were like co-guests together, um, talking about various youth ministry things, co-people, co-people. co-people. we were co-peopling <laughs> on television. And, um, I was told before the, the episode started, cause they knew I like worked for life teen parish and I was very into life teen and like, which this is how Gomer and I rekindled a friendship over the years was basically through life teen. Um, or I guess that's when we really became friends. We knew each other Franciscan, but that's when we sort of became friends and started working together. I knew you through the television, through the cable, <laughs> through your emo choker styles. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I wish it's too bad this is not a visual medium because I could show you some 90s pictures. It'll be the cover of the episode. Don't worry about it. Yeah. It'll be the album artwork. Send those to me. <laughs> oh, I can I can get you some 90s looking pictures. Um, but anyways, but they were just like, don't talk about it. Don't say who you work for. Like, just like say youth ministry or your parish or whatever, the diocese, all that stuff. And so anyways, it was just, it was just so funny, but it ended up the interesting thing before I became the youth minister, um, youth minister before me and I will not go into all the details, but, um, it was a not ideal situation that he was let go in a very swift manner. And, um, Yes. Yeah, and so what he went through, <laughs> the situation is r- happening again now at at my former parish. 
oh no exactly the, the same thing oh no like the except for except for difference was this guy's married and had kids oh no yeah yeah scandal oh no and i remember you telling me this story because yes. you were I, I i maybe it had just happened and you became the full-time youth minister and then we met each other in atlanta and you were telling the training me in atlanta remember that famous and, yeah, picture and you were like he swears he's innocent. He sw- you know, he was like, he knew that was a police officer on the other end of the motor. And I was like, no, he's a total, yeah. like that guy guarantees a total porn addict. And this is, yeah, it came life. out and later. We were like, yeah. but he gives the best anti-porn talks, which is crazy. I remember you saying that. Cause that's yeah. the thing. When I look back on all that now, I'm like the, the crazy thing was, which, and I guess it makes sense, like his his st- biggest struggles and the things he was like, the demons he was fighting were the things he was like so passionately speaking about and speaking against. And let me tell you, this guy was, there was never a question of like violating youth protection. He would never ride in a car alone with any kids. It was always the whole too deep, you know, whatever leadership. We try, we try not to say too deep anymore. It's just wildly inappropriate. Uh, <laughs> so we just say two squared or something. Four squared. Four squared. Two squared. Yeah. Whatever it is. Oh, yeah, I guess it's inappropriate now. We say double trouble now. Is that T-O-O? <laughs> is that T O O or T W? Oh, man. Oh, gosh. Anywho, sorry. That was inappropriate. So then, how, Go on. So the, no, no, so you're on a good roll. Sorry. Keep No, uh, that's okay. That's going. okay. Maroon, um, so... Anyway, so what happened was, so I worked, like I said, at the Child Development Center at my parish, and I had, over time on core team, basically said, like, look, this is, I think I want to pursue youth ministry, like, I'm learning from him. I was, like, always present. I was, like, the number one core team member. Yeah, they gave me the gold star for, like, being there always. But that was another element to when all this came out later with this guy that, like, he always made sure, like, I was present if there were girls present. Like, he was never alone. Yeah. I mean, he was – nothing happened with anybody in the youth group. Like, every – I mean, not that people weren't – the whole thing was shocking and upsetting. But, like, nothing had happened, anything like that. But so our pastor came down when I was working in the Child Development Center one day, and he called me into – our director's office, like closed the door, shut all the blinds. Cause she had kind of this office that had windows that looked down the hallways and stuff where the little classrooms were came in, shut the door, shut the windows was like, we have to have a serious talk. And I was like, what is happening? And I'm like, why would the oh. pastor of our parish who, I mean, I knew him, but I like, I wasn't like, like BFS with him. You know, my dad is the deacon <laughs> of our, one of the deacons at our parish. So like he knows my, my family. And so I was like, oh my gosh, like what is going on? And so basically he was like, do you want to be the youth minister? And then he like laid out what happened. And I was like, uh, yeah, I want to be the youth minister. So it was kind of like the most horrible slash like easiest way to get into a youth ministry position. And then I ended up being the youth minister for the following nearly eight years until I was um, pregnant with my second child. And at that point in time, I was just like, yeah, I can't do this anymore. I'm like getting burned out. And um, I already had one, child at home and was pregnant with this other one and yeah. you know so that's the story you, like two questions about that how do you process that with this like horrible thing because yeah. like we have a lot of people who listen who are you know in ministry who they've had you know perhaps not on that on that level but like bad stuff has happened or they've been you know uh called into a thing that was actually in per, you know pretty bad shape like how like how do you navigate that 
with the kids and the families. Yes, and then just with the program as a whole. Like, what? Are you, yeah, like yeah. oh, within your own life because you have right. you have a friendship with this dude. And then what do you do right. with like the teens and all the parents and all the stuff? Um, well, so first thing was that so this is you know obviously this is pre social media days, and um, you know so this was all related to like chat room, email, you know that kind of stuff. So it wasn't public to the same extent like the situation that Gomer was dealing with because so I was basically told like you are not allowed to give out any of this information like what is actually going on which sure. kind of makes you look at a lot of the <laughs> things that have been going on in the church yeah. you know recently in the scandals and various things of like scandal you know I was basically told like under legal duress that's not the right word duress is not the right word legal ramifications or whatever if you tell people what is going on you will be instantly fired you will not have this job like you are not allowed to give out information i was not so basically i was like in hide it hide it sweep it under the rug no one can know are there other victims who knows it's been swept under the rug (laughs) like and i was like uh and so they were like you know this was like a, I don't know, like a Wednesday or a Thursday. And they were like, Sunday, you have to be there for the youth group because he's not allowed on the church grounds. The office was shut. The the youth office was shut down for a month. I was not allowed to touch anything, use the computer. Ugh. see any, Like they were like, we have to go through the whole office. Like you can't be in there. Like, so they were just like, good luck. <laughs> like, so I, I mean, so it was a smooth start is what you're saying. It was a nice easing into it. Yeah. Yeah. It went great. It went great. No problem. Like, so it was like, you have three days to figure out what you're going to do and to explain without explaining where the youth minister went and that you are now in charge and, um, good luck. I hope this works out and we're going to pay you, um, hardly enough money to know <laughs> they paid me. Hey, fine. where's the former youth minister? Oh, uh, he got skin cancer. He's dead. Anywho, <laughs> uh, you guys want to take a pie in the face? It's <laughs> right, life team. Right. <laughs> for gummy worms inside a pan of whipped cream. Stick your face in there. Just don't even think about it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So I just was like, all right. So I went in on Sunday and just basically was like, yeah, he can't be the youth minister anymore. Cause just, um, there's some problems in his life that he needs to sort out and he can't be here anymore like that was basically it like and you know he's taking some time away to work on himself right right sort out some family things oh my gosh it was terrible did he end up going to jail um no he did not so people like took it fine he went personally to he came to me um he went to several of the families who he was very close with and basically just was like here's the situation. Like I'm a sex addict. I have a porn addiction. Um, like I've been dealing with this like my whole life. And he's like, sometimes it was not so bad. And sometimes it was just, he's like, it's a slippery slope and you get on it and you can't stop. And he's like, and it's just like down to a pit. And you know, he was like, had, it had just gotten to a bad place again. And, um, you know, like it was a similar sting situation. Not again, not, not some dudes who have a YouTube sting show or whatever that situation was. It was actual like sting with the police. Um, so anyways, I mean, and he came and it was like the most awkward conversation. Like, and like you said, Luke, like it's somebody, you know, I know his, I knew his wife, knew his children who were very young at the time. Like, and it was just like, you know, of course your first gut reaction is like, Oh my gosh. 
oh my gosh, like, I just like, you feel physically ill. And especially, I mean, I didn't even have kids yet at the time, but like now as a mother with children, even, oh God, it just, you're just like, how did you even, like, I felt for his wife so much and whatever. Um, so anyways, so he did go to some families. There was some fallout with some families who they had been close with and were really obviously angry and, um, I just like did my best to like tell the youth group. I was like, look, we're just like starting over fresh. It's over. And, and the, the sad part of it all was that they had, he had basically like, I could tell it was get something was going on prior to this coming out. Cause ministry was like in the garbage can. And like, I mean, and the youth group was just getting run into the ground. Kids were not coming like m- myself and some of the other core team members were trying to like, keep it alive, but we're like, we're not running the show. So we can't, we can only do as much as we're able to do, you know? And, um, so I was just like, I mean, it was, the group was down so small and I was just like, we're just going to like start over from the beginning, act like this is a brand new youth group and just like take it from there. So I worked really hard, blood, sweat and tears for all those years and rebuilt the youth group and loved it with all my heart. Oh my. So this is where I get to know you as you begin, uh, running, helping to run life team camps. And I come in, I bring a group of teens, I stay and I host a week, right. and then I bring another group of teens. And we became fast friends yes. all through this kind of, this this era. And then I remember talking with you. I, it might have been when my family was driving through and we stopped. Yes, at, I recall. And you, and you were maybe like a year out of youth ministry, and you were like, I take over, I build it up from nothing, a horrible collapse, and then they barely even say goodbye as they, like, boot me out of the office. What what happened, man? Oh, gosh. It was nuts. Yeah, it was a crazy situation. Um, God, y'all, working in the church is, like, a thing. <laughs> it's perfectly fine. It's perfectly fine. It's wonderful. <laughs> and there was so much goodness and so much grace. I mean, and I tell you, I loved it. I loved it. I loved youth ministry so much, and I loved um, I loved working at summer camp. That was great times and everything. And, um, I just got so much joy out of it, but I had an excellent relationship with, so a second pastor came in, not the original guy who hired me. They had their, you know, whatever, every, whatever, when they switch all the priests around. And so we got a new priest, completely different personality who is still our pastor now. Great man. Very holy. He's a very strict Irishman. Um, he kind of looks like, um, Martin short visualize Martin short. That's kind of what he looks like. And, um, but with, he's got, his his name is Murphy. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's actually, it's (laughs) Kelly, actually father Kelly. Oh, there you go. But, um, and he's, um, he's great. He's, he's a really good man. And he, you know, I had, we had a great working relationship. He trusted me completely as a youth minister, you know, and I kept him aware of everything that was going on and, Whatever. And he, but he's a very, like, if you've ever been around a, like, a not drinking version of an Irishman, like a very serious, like, we're like. The Irish are very serious Yes. People. Like, he doesn't joke. He doesn't mess around. He's like, you know, all business all the time, whatever. And um, so anyways, but it was good. We, we worked well together. And when I came to him and I was like, look, like, I think it's time for me to, like move on. I'm just, I'm exhausted. I'm pregnant with my second child. Like, I I just feel like I can't give this everything I want to give it anymore. And I mean, I was like weeping in his office because I didn't want to quit. I loved it. I loved my youth group. And I had amazing groups of, of like classes of kids that I was with. And it was so funny because when I told the youth group later, eventually that I was leaving, you know, of course there was a class, a 
the group of juniors and they were like, you would leave our, dramatic teenagers. You would leave yeah, our senior yeah. year. I'm like, it was going to be somebody's senior year. I just like, <laughs> eventually, I mean, it just happened to be y'all. It was nothing personal. You I was like, this is, this is the group. Yeah. <laughs> you're very ugly. I got to go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, You're a mistake. Do you know how hard it is to do like youth ministry with unpopular kids? I just, I need to stop. So hard. So hard. <laughs> so what whose face do I put on the brochure? Whose face? At most, you're fives. You're a class of fives. <laughs> you don't even have a cool black guy here to put on this thing. This is just, I can't take this anymore. Real life, though. We're diverse in Birmingham. We're diverse. Totally in the suburbs. Totally diverse. So, <laughs> we didn't have a black kid, I don't think. <laughs> that's a statement we could say. No, 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 that's a lie. No, that's a lie. No, that's a lie. We had some awesome, awesome Haitian kids. They were fantastic. Their parents were Haitian immigrants and they were Amazing. fantastic. And I still see the brother and sister who used to always come and they are the coolest, coolest kid. They're not kids anymore. They're like lovely 20 something year old people who are very successful. They're great. Um, but anyway, so I told father, I'm like, look, and he was like, can we pay you more? Like whatever. And I was like, it's not money. Like, it's not that, like, I just, I can't do this anymore. I feel like I'm burning out, whatever. So you have to keep in mind, my husband was working for the Catholic high school at the same time. So we're two people working for church organizations. And essentially we were saying like, we're going to, we're making a voluntary choice, pregnant with our second child to cut our income basically in half. And yeah, just because like, this is what I felt called to do. And he and I both felt like I wanted, it was right for me to be home and with our children and everything like that. Sure. So basically what happened was, this very serious Irishman, they don't like to particularly deal with change. And um, <laughs> so it sort of undid our, our relationship and friendship over time. And um, I was not privy to who was coming after me in any of the process of who they were going to hire, which was very hard because I was like, I really wanted to, to make it a very smooth transition and, and hand it off to somebody who I knew and who I felt like, like, look, I had like, put everything into this yeah, sure. and rebuilt it. And I want to, you know, make sure it's somebody who cares. Like, and I was very invested in the parish because my, like I said before, this is my family parish. Is this where I got married? Like it's my, I, I care about this place. It's not just like, I'm somebody who moved here from wherever, took a youth ministry job, did it for a few years. And I'm like, eh, well, I'm not from here. So bye. And just leave, you know, I care about the community and the families and stuff. So it just kind of went downhill and I was not allowed to be part of the conversation. And, um, which is so hard. Oh, that's that difficult. is so yeah. hard that's when tough. you're leaving on good terms, you want to make a nice smooth transition. And they're like, no, we're fine. We don't need your and input. Well, and you're and like, that's the thing is you're like, what? I, I, nobody knows this better than me. Nobody knew the program better than me. So I'm like, why can I not be part of this? And so I just like, didn't know. And I knew, so somebody who, had been a summer staffer um, through Life Teen Summer Camps, was applying for the position, and I was like, oh my gosh, this person would be fantastic, whatever. And um, so I made the mistake of, like, I wasn't supposed, apparently I wasn't supposed to know. And so I, like, reached out to father, and I was like, hey, like, I heard this guy was came and interviewed, and I'm like, he is great, and, like, he's bilingual. We have a large Spanish population, so I'm like, oh, wow. Boy, let me tell you. Don't tell a priest who doesn't think you are privy to what's going on that you know somebody applied for a job. And I was like, this guy's great. Like, and I just said positive stuff. I'm like, he would be so good. And I said, but I knew he was applying for an, another job. So I was like, he's he's got to know, like, in a hurry if, you know, and I'm, it might have been my fault that this guy didn't get the job because I was like, 
like he told me he's applying for another job, but he really liked our parish. He wanted, yeah. he thought this was a good fit, whatever. So, but I'm like, he needs to know pretty soon. And oh my gosh, father like ripped me a new one about like, this is not your job. This is not any, you're not supposed to know anything about this. How did you know he applied for the position? Da, 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 da. Like we had a, a very unpleasant phone call that ended up with a lot of tears. Okay. I'm a woman. Fine. Yes. I cried. I was very, I was very emotional after the conversation. It's not a secret. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not a state secret. Who right. Your parish is hiring. But yeah, like, and that's, oh, that's the, about the church that at times drives me crazy is we, is we, um, like, yeah, we take it way too seriously. Like, there's like something that's like, no, this is like, you should be a, like, it's your thing. Like, right. And right. You, you're leaving for good reasons. Like you're, having a kid you, you feel called to do it it's sometimes it's just time right right well and I always joke that I like kind of like understood I'm like I feel such a deep connection with Pope Benedict after this that I felt like like <laughs> he stepped down like I think I'm done being the Pope I mean they're whatever I, I love Pope Benedict so I, I don't I'm not I don't ascribe to any conspiracies or anything about any of that. <laughs> and then the but... next youth minister brought in these statues and shit got <laughs> weird. <laughs> uh that's not entirely wrong. No. Um not statues. There weren't statues involved, but things went in a totally different direction. And I was like, what just happened? I literally had to like so I didn't even know who got hired at all. And like, you know, I just w- had hoped there would be like overlap, you know what I mean? So that like yeah. There was a smooth transition between me and the next person and like me with the teens and you know, I was there and the new person was there and we were there together. And so the kids could see us kind of working together and that just never happened. And it was just like, and I don't want to, it didn't ruin the youth group. It just, like I said, it took the youth group in a completely different direction. And a lot of the kids and families who I had spent so much time building relationships with and they had younger siblings and stuff who were coming up stopped coming because they were like, we don't, this person's completely different and they are doing things completely differently. And there wasn't like that transitional time, you know, to sort of bolster it and everything. So anyways, it was just like a whole crazy situation. And, um, I, my, my husband and I basically were like, we are, um, we like, I couldn't go to our parish for a while. Cause I was just like, I can't like, yeah, no, it makes sense. Be around father or the, like we stopped. I mean, let me tell you, I went to Sunday afternoon. You've been to our, did you go to our life team mass ever Gomer? I don't know if you went, you told the story about the uh, the Eric Clapton, "You Look Beautiful Tonight" prelude music. That's a different song. No, 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 no. Yeah, wonderful tonight. Wonderful tonight. Yeah, it's very Christocentric. No, wonderful tonight. Instrumentals. It's it is the song that he wrote about his best friend's wife after his best friend and the wife got a divorce and then he married her. Oh, is that it? Wonderful really? tonight. That's about George Harrison's ex ex wife. Oh, oh, I thought you meant. I, th- I thought you meant the other song. Yeah, wonderful tonight. But the whole uh, y- you would tell me you're like, let me tell you how terrible sometimes our liturgy is. They would play <sighs> for the so communion hard. hymn when everyone's receiving communion. He would play the instrumental of Wonderful Tonight, and it- you're walking down to receive communion. You're like, I know this song. Oh, it was rough, man, for many years in there. And I worked, you know, I worked really hard to have a good relationship with all these people. And, and that was that. So that was one of those things where if people are, have different ideas of what life teen as a modern thing is supposed to be, oh my gosh, it can go. And so people really were like, they weighed the youth group against what they experienced at this life teen mass. And I'm like, they're not the same thing. Like he, and he does his own thing and he was not one who really wanted to like work together. And 
I was just like, I, I, he's, he's the music and he does his own thing. And we are not like a, a join Never. thing. I, that is the most common thing with youth ministers who are trying to build a whole program. And then there's typically it's like, it's like a, a guy who's trying to recover the band days and he thinks, like, this is what the kids like. And it's like, no, that's what you like. Yes. That's not what the kids like. Well, we went so far as, like, I had the kids after we went to summer camp and everything like that. Um, so I took the first group of kids ever from our city to Life Team Camp. Five of us in a minivan. Somebody got car sick. It was fantastic. And um, after <laughs> we started going and building that up, the kids were like, wait a minute. This is, like, what Life Team Liturgy is supposed to be like. And I was like... It's a little, and they were like, can we like suggest songs to him? And I'm like, you can do whatever you want. You can bring him a list. You can, but he's going to do his thing. And it was one of those things throughout the years that I just was like, um, I would just like pray through the mass and be like, Lord, you know, his heart, you know, our heart, we are praising you and loving you in different ways. Maybe not on the same page, but there's, (laughs) there's goodness and value there. And we're just gonna do our best so the day when my husband and i were like we're done going to that mass we took a break from our own parish for about a month after the whole thing but i was like i'm so happy to not go to mass on i i I mean and as you know for anyone who's worked in youth ministry like your whole sundays are like eaten up and i was like sundays are wonderful like it's a day of rest and beauty and just like being with the family like i go to mass i come home and I just eat donuts and watch TV. And just hang out. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. <laughs> it is a little Easter every Sunday. Like, I hadn't experienced that in, like, 10 years. And I was like, this is amazing. This is what it's supposed to be. So um, I was sad to go. And like I said, the, the person who took over, she was great. She did a good job. She and I were just very different people. She took the youth group in a different direction. It thrived in different ways. To hell. No, no. <laughs> it thrived in different ways. We'll just leave it at that. Um, and, uh, you know, it was hard for, like I said, I, I, it was, it's so hard to like leave a ministry and still be there. Like when we started coming back to St. Peter's, that's my parish, St. Peter's. Oh, I don't know if you have to edit that out, but whatever. Um, yeah, you fine. might have to. Uh, I won't if you don't tell me to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I got know. no dog in this hunt. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> People, uh, maybe, I don't know. Um, I don't care. I don't work there anymore. So I don't work for the diocese anymore. Neither does my husband. So whatever. That's another story um, of serving the church. But anyways, um, I sound so jaded about serving the church. Oh, no. This is what people want. <laughs> it was, yeah. it, it, like I said. You sounded much worse about eight years ago. <laughs> anyways, I just it's so hard to like look at someone doing the job that you loved greatly and put a lot of like effort and time into like anybody who's left the parish or whatever yeah. or ministry i mean you probably feel the same way luke when you like left the school and like another principal yeah. takes over and you're like absolutely 100 percent. Yep. that's not how i would do it and that's not how we did things and it takes some time to like let that go and just let it be there's like so oh my gosh i just felt like it was a whole year to two years of humility like i would read the bulletin and be like to my husband like look at that and he'd be like just let it go it's like just let it be you know what i mean let it be let it be and and because it doesn't change the good that like god did and it's it it doesn't change the good that like god is um doing it's just that like life like there's always going to be tomorrow until the end of the world and so Right. Everything we do is going to die and go away, and it's going to change. It's it's really difficult. Like, I, I honestly don't think it matters if you know. Of course, we, 
um, when you have a ministry, your whole heart's into it. It's kind of your whole life. It's your, I mean, it's, it's your religion. It's your right. like core being. But right. I, I think yeah. it's true for certain jobs. Like I, I can't remember when I was in the dorms and I left, you know, I spent like three years. I was going to say that. I was going to bring that up, Luke. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, we built that up. And then about a year after I was, I was there, they um, hired this girl and I, you know, encouraged him to hire a person from Steubenville because I was like, they're great. And they did. <laughs> and it was a disaster. And she like oh, went gosh. to the bishop because she had a relationship. Oh, oh, uh, with him. And like, I mean, like he was unfriends with her family and stuff. And he just came and he came hard at the school and it ruined everything. I mean, it ruined a lot. I mean, the, the dorms I went from having like forty people to twelve. Oh gosh! You know, and that's a huge um, a financial hit. And all yeah. I mean, it was it was I mean, really, really bad. And it was so hard to hear about this happening. And they just took it a different um, direction than I ever would have done. And it was so hard to just not want to call them and be like, "What the f- are you doing?" Like, right, right. It's just, I mean, it's humility. It's just like hard lessons in humility that you're like, man, this sucks. Like thinking, you know, they always say like you, the, one of the biggest signs of pride or whatever is thinking you're not replaceable. You know what I mean? And it's like realizing like you are totally replaceable. There's another young buck out there who's dying to be the next youth minister and they can't wait for your, whoa, you know, your old butt to, Mm -hmm. to get out of there. You know, that's really interesting because I feel like there are a lot of, um, a lot of people who derive their self-worth by being like the, un- that idea of being irreplaceable, but the damage that does to the organization that you're trying to build is it, it leads you to ostracize people who could be your, your number two guy, right? right? Mm-hmm. Who then becomes your replacement or takes it in a new direction. It becomes you. And this is the danger, I think, of if you don't have yourself rooted in Christ in a solid prayer life, which how many youth ministers do, mm-hmm. right? You have a solid prayer life that spills into your vocation, that spills into your apostolate. But instead, it's always the other way around if you, if you don't have a prayer life. And then you become defined by your apostolate, and your vocation is your apostolate. So it's it's funny, like, oftentimes I feel like the Lord called me out of a church when I was doing that. Like, and maybe that's why God was like, no, it's now's the time. Right. And it might have been a good thing. The person who took over after you might have been a bad thing. But still, God had a, a purpose right in the middle of it, which more than anything else was, I got to kill your pride. Right. Right yeah. now. Right. You know? Totally. Totally. Because your pride will send you to hell. Her stupid games won't. Or her... Shakespeare in the park, whatever she was doing with the hip youth kids. <laughs> well, well, and that's yeah. go ahead, go ahead. No, no go was, ahead, was, Luke. Was, after I was, you. I was, I was, sorry, I, thank you, guest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 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 no, but because I, I think there's this thing where um, it's really good to like to create stuff and and to make stuff happen right now, but especially when it when it you know comes to ministry like the bulk of ministries are going to die and that's a good thing like christ a ministry ends in death his ministry ends in death uh when god created adam and eve he knew what was going to happen that it was that like it it didn't quote unquote work out in the long run you know Mm -hmm. but then then, i mean then you could argue that in the long run it did uh with (laughs) which long run in the really really long run yeah you know but so playing like, the long game, God's playing the long yeah. game. Well, I mean, like honestly, yeah, and like being okay with the fact that God's playing the long game, 
Right. And that right. like that means that like your thing that you're doing at some point in time it's going to end. You're going to leave. You're going to retire. You're going to die. Right. You're, your addictions are going to creep up with you or like you know, whatever. Like that's the, like it's going to end. And it's very rarely is it pretty. Those are like the good like that's <laughs> that's really awesome when when it does happen. Um, but it's not really the norm. I mean, I, I, actually, I don't know if that's true or not. Um, what do you guys think? Do you think, like, can it end pretty, or is it always going to be kind of like a crapshoot? Well, I think when you're dealing with the the priest who's the Irishman, you know, maybe his fear of change was his hurt at you leaving. Right. You know, like, right. I, think I he took trusted it personally. this. Yeah. Like, here is this person. I will literally throw more dollars at her to keep her on, and it's like, your dollars aren't enough. I'm just done. And right. For whatever reason, accept that. And it is because it would have been better if someone from the community, as you were from the community, stepped up, mm-hmm. right? Like a core member. Right. Who was Absolutely. In it, you know, in, in theory, it would have been better. It could have been a, a complete and utter disaster <laughs> just as much as anything else. So, yeah, I don't, I, you can't predict these things. But, like, you're right. Like, my ministry will not endure. The gates of hell are not prophesied to <laughs> to be defeated by my ministry, only the universal churches. So Right. Well, and it's the idea, like you said, Luke, that too, that it's that it me nothing that has happened in the past will be negated. The grace, you know, the seeds sown, the relationships built, how those teens were impacted through the time I was there is not undone, you know, not not by me, that but by through God using me to minister to them, you know, that's not undone just because someone else comes and moves forward. And, you know, when I look at it, you know, now in retrospect, because that she's no longer there, she has since moved on. When I look back on those few years, she was the youth minister. I'm like, she was the right person for the time in the church and for the group of kids who came through and the families that I saw that got more involved than they had been in the past. Like she was the right fit for them. You know, and it it was what, you know, how it was supposed to move forward. And, you know, it worked out the way, you know, perhaps God ordained it to be worked out or the choices were made and God worked through the choices that were made for who was hired. And it worked for the good of those who love him, as they, you know, as the scripture says. So as they say, (laughs) they they being St. Paul in Romans 8, (laughs) as I've heard once or twice, they in the New Testament say, um, (laughs) you know, as they say all the Christian musicians in their songs all the time, (laughs) as as the Matt Meyer is uh, known to do (laughs) the OC supertones and whoever else. (laughs) Yes. Oh, they had. They had two good albums. <laughs> wait, so, uh, wait, you are you are an OC Supertones fan? Not anymore. I I did I did my time in with yeah. the with the Christian music. Are you sitting on the ground this whole time? I am. I'm sitting on some pillows, oh, okay. um, on the Bless ground. You. I had to sit near a plug for my computer, and um, our house. We live in a well, Gomer. You've been here. It's a split level, so noise carries really easily through our house. There's like no. You know, because there's two sets of stairs and all the noise, and I'm I have a loud voice, so I had to sit like in tucked in the corner here in my playroom on the floor, so I wouldn't wake up any of my children. My husband informed me yesterday how much my voice carries through the house. He's like, "You're way worse than any of the kids." I'm like, "Thank you." Thank what you, can I say? Yeah. I think we're yeah, all. I've, I've never gotten that. that. Yeah, <laughs> I always <laughs> have the loudest voice in the office, and I think it annoys certain people, and other people really enjoy it. 
it's just one of those things. Like, what are you going to do? You can't be in ministry, youth ministry. You can't work in a high school, whatever. You got to have a loud voice. It's got to be done. Yeah. It's like, yeah. how is you going to be heard over all those hooligans yelling and screaming? Oh, it smells so bad. Hooligans. That's what they are. And they're as ugly as they think they are. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, as ugly as they think they are. My teenage years were bad. Please be easy on those of us who weren't looking good in high oh, school. Oh, no. Are you joking? Like, during my um, teenage years, I had, like, a slick shoes t-shirt, a pair of jeans, and, like, a round – I, like, had a bracelet of these tiny orange balls that had Japanese letters on them because it reminded me of a Project 86 <laughs> album. Yes. Oh, those were so I, uh, One time, a girl that I was flirting with, uh, Not true. Didn't like a comment that I said in high school, and then she said, "You know what? Why don't you go leave and put on a bra, fatty?" <gasps> and I went, oh. "Oh my gosh, that is a horrible human being." She's probably lovely horrible. now, but at the time, she was a horrible teenager. You probably said something horrible to her while trying to flirt with her. No, 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 no. I did not. Why don't you? And then my <laughs> best friend Chris Miller rode to my. She was flirting with him. Oh. She just thought she'd be funny and make fun of me. Was she Regina? My chubbiness. She was Wait, Regina her... George. Completely. Mean girls. So she said, why don't you go put on a bra, chubby? Yeah. I'm going to use that one point in time during a live show. No, I believe she called him, I believe she called him fatty, not chubby. Fatty. <laughs> why don't you go put on a bra? <laughs> and I just said to her, it's glandular. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Oh, that's the worst. What a meanie. My daughters better not be like that. They will be. There's this one time when I tried to hit on a girl at a bar one time. I was like 22, and I just started, I started to um, talk to her, and then she just goes, no, and just walks away. Oh. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, that's fair. You should have no, met me in a bar. I was a nice person in the bars, and I always had the weird guys <laughs> talk to me because I was, I was too nice to like – like, it's funny because people would think I was, like, going to, like, be a jerk because I had this, like, jet black hair and I have the resting bitch face. So I always look like I'm going to cut somebody. That's black just who polish. I am. And then, it's yeah, just the Philly in you. It is. And then I always laugh too loud and, you know, I'm, like, a little bit obnoxious. And so people are like, eh. But I'm, like, always was, like, really nice to people. And so I'd always be nice to, like, weird dudes in the bar. And then they'd be, like trying to give me their number buy me drinks and i'd be like i mean i'm just trying to be nice i don't want to i don't want to go on a date with you i'm just here to have a drink with my friends and look at the guys who are way too hot for me they are not even giving me a second glance so this is why i didn't get married till i was 29 so whatever and i cried (laughs) through most of my 20s because i was like why am i the last person in the world to get married we can talk about that for your 20 something listeners you'll make Turns it i out, promise you had two you had your you had two high standards for yourself i did yeah. i wanted tens man and i was like you are never gonna get a 10 tens. No, no actually my husband is a 10 in in my eyes maybe not in society's eyes backpedal backpedal i dated a 10 quote unquote before my husband, who I was very serious with, who I thought I was going to marry, he was a minor league baseball player, like oh, this whoa. tall, good-looking, totally built, whatever guy. And uh, it, uh, how did you blow that? Tens are not worth it. Sometimes, what? How did I? What? <laughs> yeah. How did? How did you blow that? Was that him, or was it you? Uh, well, it, because I wouldn't sleep with him. Basically, is how I blew that. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I was like, I am not going to sleep. And he, ironically. 
We were talking very seriously. Listen, in my early years of youth ministry, when he and I were dating, he used to come. He was not Catholic, though. He would come to Mass. He helped with the youth group, all the stuff. We looked at engagement rings, whatever. Eventually, I think, well, push came to shove as far as, like, he was pressuring me to sleep with him, which I was like, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm saving myself for marriage. So, like, I'm sorry. You knew that coming into this. But then when it came out later, he was like within like a month after breaking up with me, he was dating a girl who, so he must've had met her before he broke up with me. I think, um, she was giving out Jaeger shots at a bar and she was a bikini model. And I was like, "Mm, same diff. I was probably not the right match for you. (laughs) Who He ended up marrying her. So good for them. And they have at least two children that I know of. Not that you Facebook stalk him or anything. You and I, you and I were not a match. I was not that you were like a 10 kind of quote unquote 10 by the world standards and she is a 10 by the world standards and I did not fall in that category. So we were not a match. This was never going to work out in the long run. But I cried and cried and cried and cried and thought, why am I 26 and never getting married? It'll happen. Isn't it funny? Do you feel like that's like the Franciscan in us? Because so many of our friends got married right after graduating or within that year. Yes. It is. That is the Franciscan way, though, because like. Yeah, it's not just the name of a magazine. It isn't. Uh, You I mean, (laughs) as it turns out, like, it's funny because I was in Cana and Annie Hickman's wedding, which was like the summer after they graduated from Franciscan. Um, So they were like she and Cana is still a very close friend of mine. And so like they were some of the first people I knew who like had started dating at Franciscan and got married like right out of college and everything like that. And I was like, that's the way it's supposed to be. And then, like, <laughs> years passed. And I had, I did a little, I made up for some dating issues from high school in my years at Franciscan. We'll just leave it at that. Name names. No, <laughs> there are names. There kidding. are quite a few names. Uh, if you ask the right people, there are people who would probably give out that information. Um, uh, not my finest hour through many of, because I was. Uh, whatever, making up for lost time. You're on the line with uh, me, who used to make out in front of a dorm with a girl my freshman year, <laughs> oh. in front of all my friends. So, oh, that's fantastic. There's, there's plenty of broken it's a girl. Yeah. It's like, where's Gomer? And, oh, that's a weird thing that I didn't ever want to see. Now stuck in my <laughs> in my brain for the rest of my life. <laughs> oh, no, no. I did not sneak into a boy's dorm till senior year. I did good. I made it all the way to my senior year. The rest of them happened out in various fields and bars and whatnot so whatever (laughs) i kissed a girl behind the spot bar one time (laughs) my friends had to come and find me (laughs) oh Oh. franciscan was so good for us i was just trying on a lot of different shoes to figure out if any of them fit at franciscan none of them fit it worked out that none of them fit and uh, I didn't meet my husband until many years P-O-P after. P.O.P. shoes, A.M.D.G. shoes, brothers' shoes, Nike's shoes. I did. Uh, P.O.P. shoes. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, what was the other one? Um, Prodigal Sons. Prodigal Sons. <laughs> yep. I don't know if I, uh, L.O.J., I don't try, I didn't try on any L.O.J. shoes. No one does. <laughs> <laughs> These Only a few people are going to get this, and it's wonderful. Oh, I was not in a household, actually. I was anti-household. You were one of those. Yep. We had a fake household. You were in Fishers of Men, right? 
Uh, no, ours was the SOBs. <laughs> we were we were Song of Bernadette, which was our, I mean we but the SOBs is what we always joked. That was our fake household. And when everybody else would go to household mass, we would drink in the dorm <laughs> together, <laughs> like six of us. Oh, we just sit in the dorm and drink. It was great. It was so fun. But anyways, ladies who are single in their twenties or early thirties, whatever age you are, the time will come. Your time will come. It'll work out. If if like um, there's one thing that you could tell, like say twenty five year old you, when it when it when it comes to dating, what would you say? Um, I'd say stop crying so much over dudes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I tell myself too. <laughs> why are you crying? Like every time you go home and being like, every time someone got engaged, why isn't it my turn? Why isn't it my turn? Oh my gosh, it'll be your turn sometime. Get over it. How many uh, bridesmaids dresses did you own? Let's see. I owned uh, probably no more than 10 uh, in the neighborhood of 10. Two of them were my sisters. So I don't know. If they're this, the worst. Yeah, they're the worst, <laughs> my sisters. No, they're wonderful. And don't listen to this podcast so I can say whatever I wanted about Aww. them. But no, they're wonderful, lovely people. Are they um, then? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, they listen to other podcasts. So, well, one doesn't really <laughs> listen to podcasts. The other one listens to other podcasts. I've tried. Yeah, like the crunch, those bastards. <laughs> the other one actively Francesca. rejects yours. Yes. They're like, anything but catching foxes, for goodness sake, anything. Why would I want to listen to two guys in AVG just blabbing on and on and on? No, thank you. About Franciscan and their friends. Um, so, yeah. So, but then, and I had several, I had at least two or three that were not Franciscan people. And then all the rest were people from Franciscan whose weddings I was in. So I think, I don't know, somewhere around 10 probably. And I don't own a single one of them anymore. They are long gone. Those suckers were like out of there. You you burn those things as soon as you got engaged. Like so long. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, actually I donated them to a uh, charitable organization, but cause you can't sell them and you can't wear them again. No matter what anybody says, you can't wear that shit again. They're horrible. And even mine Those poofy sleeves. I, uh, I don't think any of mine had poofy sleeves. I did have some interesting like neck and, you know, like lace situations and jewels. And it was not a good time for, for dresses and the leg. That's what Luke made me wear for his wedding. I was like, Luke, why is this V-neck plunging so deep? And he's like, that's not a V-neck. I just want to see your boobies. And I was like, Luke, stop. Let me out of this room. And he's like, no. And I was like, no, we're sleeping in the same bed before I get married. Prima Nocta. Prima Nocta. <laughs> hey, it's a Prima Nocta with a man that sleeps with the wife. Not in this case. <laughs> not in our relationship. Not in our relationship. Not in 1523. Um, yeah. no, Were you both in each other's weddings? Oh yeah, both of you. okay. I'm just making sure. Yeah. I did. Mine was not many uh, Franciscan people, but it was a super fun wedding with our youth group. We invited the youth group to come, and I have crazy, crazy northern relatives who came down and like shocked to de- all the Philadelphia and, and New York relatives came and like partied down hard. And all the southern, all our southern guests were like, "What is happening? These people are crazy!" And they like brought the party. It was a great, great fun wedding. So. But we were we were February two thousand and nine. So actually, we got married before you you and Shannon Gomer. I thought yeah. I couldn't remember. I Wait, thought, what date? When? When? What month? February fourteenth, Valentine's Day. Yeah. So we were still me and Shannon were still in grad school. Oh, that's why you didn't yeah. come. We went back for that semester, and then Shannon was finished at the end of April, 
and I had to do two mini masters right up to a week before our wedding. Oh my god! And so I drove yeah, down to St. Louis, and a week later, I got married. Aww, yeah, it was nuts. Beautiful. Was nuts. Yeah, that is a little crazy. Yeah, and my Philadelphia relatives all came in. They use it as a huge reunion for them, like a family reunion. Yes, of course. And they, and but they, they were fun, but they were off on the side of the reception the whole time doing their own Philly thing, and it was awesome. Right. Was awesome. I mean, my brother, towards the end of our reception, had had so much to drink, he turned to my uh, best man, Chris Miller, Boom. and slapped him in the face. <gasps> <laughs> and just thought and just started Stop. laughing but chris miller's dad was also there and his dad almost jumped on my brother and i was like chris chris stop this and he's like come on i'm just kidding and miller just my buddy chris miller just looks at him and was like what in the hell and he's like all right i'm going outside yay weddings there's so <laughs> yeah. much fun oh man I hit a phase where I would just puke at the end of every wedding. Like, all right, that was good. And <laughs> <laughs> <End> scene. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I puked in Santa Fe. I puked in Philadelphia. I <laughs> <laughs> but have you puked in a canoe behind someone's house? Because I might have you beat on that one. No, I haven't, but that's a funny story. <laughs> that was the last time I drank very heavily as an adult. And I was like, I think I'm done with this. I can't drink like this anymore. I'm like puking off someone's back porch into their canoe that they had in their backyard. And I yeah. was like, uh, I'm done here. I can't drink like that. It's the worst, right? It really is like, there's uh, nothing like it's, the, it's, it's kind of like God was like, listen, I got to find a way to like, or I have to find a way to like rail this in because this is kind of nuts. So I'm going to have this thing that happens to you where you're going to immediately regret everything wrong you've ever done. And you at least stop for a little while and be like, oh, I'm not going to drink like that, at least for a while. <laughs> yeah. If not forever. I was done heavily drinking after that. I was like, yeah, no, I can't. I can't handle it. And now, whatever. I'm like an old woman with children and I'm like, one beer, and I'm like, good night, everyone. I'm done. <laughs> good night, New York. Well, you know what's really weird is now, like, why I curtail the bulk of my drinking is because I don't want to wake up four times. <laughs> I know. There's such old man problems. Like, oh, man, then I have to deal with this headache, and then I got to find the Advil. I don't know where the Advil is. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, God, the bottle's out, son of a bitch. <laughs> like, just. Why don't I ever remember to pick up Advil? I'm at CVS literally every day. Can I can I tell you like one of the saddest things that's ever that's like ever happened to me? This happened recently. Oh please! Oh gosh, bring it down. Bring this it is down. probably good for the Patreon page, but um, whatever. <laughs> so we have this thing at at our, our live shows. People tend to give us like a lot of alcohol at that because we'll get the CS and yeah. we tend to drink while we podcast. Yeah, it's like, hey, can I buy you a beer? And I'm like, yeah, it's fine, you know, and. I don't, I don't know what happened, but we did one um, live show, and I thought I was fine. Like I, I went to bed going, I, I like you know, I didn't think it was too, it was too bad. Gomer had, Gomer had to like leave early. I had some time to blow, and I was like, I don't feel good. Like something's like just like I felt like something was just off, and I was, at, and I was like at a Walgreens, and I went, oh my gosh, I'm going to throw up. And so I go into their bathroom and throw up in the bathroom at this Walgreens. And I'm like, this is an all new low. What is happening? <laughs> and I was like, do I, have, do, do, I, do I have a virus? Like, what's going on? 
And then I immediately felt better, and I was like, "Son of a bitch, that's from the alcohol." Like I just because <laughs> I, I honestly like I, I wasn't trying to drink too much. I really didn't think that I had, you know, I wasn't driving a car or anything. Obviously, it just was one of those weird like something caught up with me that should not have and came out at, at a Walgreens <laughs> in Wisconsin. <Aww. laughs> Dude, that is that so is a sad funny. place. I thought this was going to go in the direction of the movie Juno, and someone was going to be like, "Do you need to pee on a stick? Are you pregnant? Like, what's going on here?" <laughs> <laughs> and kidding. then all of a sudden, I'm like, "Why am I being initiated into the Amish?" <laughs> <laughs> what? What? I don't know. It's just I was trying to pick the most <laughs> random thing that could happen while while drinking. And it was, <laughs> oh, I was like, I don't remember that in Juno. <laughs> I don't know. That, that joke was funnier like in my head before I said I just said it in mid I'm sorry so anyways Jesus <laughs> said anything of value for this podcast except for reminisced about Franciscan and bagged honey WTM <laughs> it's a lovely organization with a lot of lovely people and I'm good friends with a lot of those priests over there they're friends of the family hey don't you dare backpedal you already did that once with your husband I love that man <laughs> I love him. Listen, his whole life story is, could be a whole other podcast because he's got some crazy stories about his. I was when I met him and got to know his life story. I was like, man, there should be a movie about the craziness of your life and what has happened. Not the least of which is that he was in the seminary for six or seven years with the Legionaries of Christ. That's a whole thing. Oh, oh man, yeah, those are the best scandal. Yeah, I got a brother-in-law who's uh, still with them right now, who actually probably will be ordained eventually. Um, but yeah, I did not take him out of seminary. He was out a couple of years before we even met. So I'm not a chalice chipper. I didn't do that. Did he leave because of the whole uh, Marcial thing? Or was it just he discerned out? No, no, no. He discerned out. And he, um, that was, so that all came out after, I think after he was out, like a couple years after he was already out. So he knew him and that whole thing like was there. Um, and actually he was kind of in one of, in a fairly higher moving, um, station with them and what he was doing. He was one of their big fundraisers and all this stuff. He's very charming. He's very good at, um, he's just like a really nice guy and people love him and he's just very friendly and genuine and everything. And, um, so he was like a, he was like a drive around bishops kind of seminarian yeah, yeah, and yeah, 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 kind yeah. of in one of those kind of, and I just think it was, but talk about, let me tell you, like, like me leaving uh, my job when they're like, peace out after all this time you've given to us at our parish and like kind of booted you out the door. You know, it was not that dissimilar um, when they were, when he would discerned out with them, they were just like, here's a shirt, here's a pair of pants, you know, good luck in life. And they just kind of like, send them out with no like anything you're just like done and they're just like we'll see you that's the worst that's the worst way to handle that yeah and it's weird because it was like his formative years you know he went in at about 18 or 19 i guess um and he came out around i want to say like 25 or so so like in his oh, college wow. years he wasn't in college he was in seminary and in a pretty strict seminary um yeah. you know and so then he came out and there was not really any like preparation for like kind of yep. acclimating back to like standard society after living in this very um, rigid and contained sort of like situation. 
or, you know, seminary and everything like that. And Were they edit his mother's letters to him with a big black marker? I don't know, actually. I've never asked him that. I'll have to ask him about that. That happened to a buddy of mine who was in there, and he's like... Oh, really? That's funny. You're editing my mom's? He's like, anything that'll jeopardize your vocation? He's like, okay. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I'll have to ask him about that. I don't know if that ever happened. I've never heard... It's, But I will say... For, and this is for the young men in their, you know, 20s, 30s, whatever, trying to discern things. I think guys going to seminary for at least some amount of time or really discerning that vocation is is a good thing. I think it oh, yeah. really taught yeah. him so much, like, discipline and faith formation. And, I mean, and we had, I think, at Franciscan, some of that kind of stuff um, sort of built in, but it was within the context of college, obviously. So there was a lot of drinking, maybe making out with random people, you know, whatever. College. Not so much the discipline. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But the, the opportunity for discipline was there, and the Christian fellowship was there in the households, and your friendships, you know. Confession was available every day. Adoration was there, and there was sort of that built-in peer pressure to, like, you know, it, you know, figure out how to, like, live your faith within this, you know, whatever, safe, base of Franciscan University where it's not weird that you're trying to do these things, you know? So it's not to the same extreme as being in a seminary where you're like day and every minute of your life is like, you know, laid out for you. And yeah, but I think it taught him as a man, you know, so much just discipline and, you know, um, order. He had order. I mean, they, they really are good with them. order and yep. well, and manners. Cause the, the Legion, that was one of their big things is like, he learned a lot about like properly yep. kind of high class sort of things, if you will, yep. like setting tables yep. properly and how you behave and carry yourself in conversations at these kind of like how you part your hair, how you put on fresh cufflinks. Does, does he speak like five languages? He, um, could speak, uh, uh, French and Spanish and English. So French is the Spanish is the language of the order, and then um, French. He lived in Canada part of the time, and so they're like required to learn French. Um, he doesn't really use them anymore, um, but he can like still understand them and speak some of it conversationally. But like if he hears something in French or Spanish, he can be like, "Oh, they said blah blah blah," you know, whatever. Um, but it did make it very hard, I will say, because. You know, their seminary situation is very different than, like, if you were, like, in a diocesan seminary situation or whatever. Um, Because at the time, and maybe it's different now, it was not an accredited college or whatever. Uh, No, that's really difficult for people. Yeah. Yeah. So it means... Oh, sorry. Explain that um, uh, really quick, because I just want to make sure, like, all of our listeners understand that. Well, so I guess, like... Certain seminary colleges are actual, like, colleges, you know, credit through the whatever college of whatever the... Um, college board. They, yeah. yeah, yeah, for the United States and for... Or internationally, too, I guess. Accredited, yeah. Right, yeah. and so they did not have a um, accredited program, even though he was doing humanities and studying, you know, theology and philosophy and all those things, and he was in there, you know... I think six or seven years or six years, I guess. So he completed what would be a typical four year, you know, university program. Um, He, so, but when he, you know, left or whatever, and he, you go to put that on like a resume or whatever, you, there's not really like a, a college that you can put that says like, 
I went to the Josephinum or the NAC in Rome or whatever, yeah. um, or Franciscan University or, you know, Catholic University of America, whatever. There, there wasn't really a school to put. So people are like, like, well, what is your higher education background? And he's like, I mean, I went to a Catholic seminary college. I was educated, a higher level education, but it's like, you know, I mean, and there's a name for it that I, I can't remember what the whole name of it is, but it's just not like a recognized, you know. And so that did lead into some difficulty for a while. Um, gosh, there's so many other stories in life and marriage. But after he was laid off from um, working at a Catholic high school, that was another side of a story um, that I mentioned earlier when he and I both worked for the diocese, essentially. So he got laid off very unexpectedly um, about, whatever, three weeks after we had our third child. Oh, wow. Our house had just flooded six weeks before that. So it was a difficult time. And so we had three small children and he was unemployed. When he goes, you know, to make his resume and all this stuff, people were like, like it's, you know, higher education sort or positions that required higher education. People are like, we don't recognize like what your, what your schooling is. You know, like what, you know, and, and besides the fact that it's theology and philosophy on top of it, you know, which yeah, people are like, yeah. what, what do you expect to do with this? Like, you know, you're coming to work some kind of, you know, whatever other position, industrial or sales or management. And people are like, what does this even have to do with it? You know what I mean? Um, so it kind of that did make it a little bit more difficult. <laughs> I can understand the existential angst of your customers uh, a lot more easily <laughs> right exactly i can talk to them about the state of their you know moral you know compass in their life and you know whatever yeah so it just it made it very difficult and so he was unemployed for basically a year um and uh we he actually moved to colorado for three months to work for his brother's company because that was the only work he could find and so yeah. yeah, I remember that. I remember that. that's when we came to visit you because he was gone. Yes, yes, yes. And so we visited for like the day that. Yeah, and so that's when I had I had three children under the age of no four and under um, by myself, and Gosh. he was living in Colorado working, and um, that's when I learned I could do anything. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> I was like, oh, I can do anything if I can manage these three very small children. One was a three month old baby. And a like twenty month old and a three and a half year old, so um, it was quite the time in our marriage and life. Um, so that was the downside of being in a that particular order um, and being educated through that particular order that it made it very hard for him. And he just really had to like from that point. So at that point, that was five um, five and a half years ago. Um, he's just been like just working hard and you know to 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 get back and, you know, finally last year he got into a position and, um, with a, a new company and we finally like made some like forward, um, cool. motion and Good. it just took all this time. I mean, it's just, you know, it was one of those things we yeah. were like, Lord, like we learned so much about fully just like relying on the Lord and like knowing that, like, like having to just trust God's providence to like literally provide for us and like, to have enough money to like pay our mortgage. I mean, we owned a house, we bought our house like six months after we got married. So we've lived in the same house always. And, um, you know, and we managed to never lose our, any, like a car. We never lost our house or missed any mortgage payments or, you know, there's always food on the table. Like God, you know, provided during that time. And it was just like one of those hard 
seasons of, you know, marriage and family. And I'm sure there will be others to that extreme in the future, but that was one of our most extreme times of, um, yeah, the sacrament, but it was very hard because that was another situation where my husband's boss was a priest and, um, Luke loves priest bosses. Oh man. It was, and that was another priest who was a friend and it was, boy, that was a rough situation. Um, when that happened, no, no, well, I get, well, he wasn't his direct boss, I guess. Well, maybe he was, I can't remember. Was he the president or the principal president of the school? I can't remember. But anyways, um, and there was a time in there where we really like lost faith in working for the church and we were just like, we're done here. Like I had a negative experience leaving in what should have been a good and happy departure. And then he got laid off like at a time when we're like, are you serious? We like just had our third child and our house just flooded and we had to like rip out our entire basement with no flood insurance because we don't live in a flood plain. It was just like a, a freak rain Gosh. situation. And then that's, then this, the Catholic organization just like laid us off, like laid him off. And we were like, what, how are, it's, it's just so hard and frustrating sometimes when, I mean, and you know this, you know, from both of y'all having families and spouses and stuff. It's like, we're trying to like, live our faith and do right by the Lord and like have a family, have children, serve the church. Like we feel called to do this, but then we like can't afford to like support our family, you know? And then we get not even, can we not afford to support our family? Then we get laid off and we literally had no income like at all. And it's like, okay, way to have our back like church, like, What are we supposed to do? But, you know, anyways, we grew you know, and learned I'm, from I'm it. I'm on your team, Lord. I'm <laughs> on your team, Lord. Who is it St. Teresa of Avila? This is how you treat your friends. No wonder you have so few of them. Yeah, I just thought like... of that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, well, and that's the thing. Like, that's one of the scary things parts about your 20s or, or not your 20s, just about life is when the rug is truly pulled out from underneath you in a way that is totally unjust or not fair, or, or it's just, it's just life. And you're like, what, what do I do here? Yeah. What, what, I don't know what to do. I don't, you know, it, it, uh, it sounds weird, but like, I, I kind of always go back to this one Steve jobs talk that he, some speech he gave where he's like, you won't ever be able to see the stars connect until you're like out of it. Mm-hmm. Look behind and you go, okay, God was there. God was here. God was there. Mm-hmm. Like God provided, but it's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. Oh, it is. It is. I mean, that is truly like learning the lessons in reliance on the Lord is, is ugh. anyways, it, like I said, we, we went from both of us being people who worked and served the church to he works just in the general population. Now I don't work other than, Oh, like a normie. Yeah. Like regular people, we're like just rocking and rolling here, doing our thing with, you know, me taking care of my kids. Like I said earlier, when we first started talking, we are of the unpopular opinion of our children are um, in public school. We have an incredible public school. We live in a great school system. Um, Even though we've made strides, we can't actually afford Catholic education. And unless my children really needed me to homeschool, and I would if they really needed me to, I don't think it would be ideal for my relationship with them or (laughs) uh, sanity, sanity, (laughs) parenting. We, it's just like, that's, that's not who I am. And I have so much love and respect for all the homeschooling families and mothers because it's, that is 
some serious business and serious support from your husband's to do it. And, you know, and we just, we've always had a devotion to St. Patrick. Well, I have had for a long time and now it's kind of a, he's kind of a family saint and his story of just like that he went back to the people who were the pagans essentially, because that's where he felt called to be and to serve, not in his, you know, safe home and diocese or whatever, you know, the people who stole him and kidnapped him and whatever. And then he went home and then he was like, no, I want to be there. That's the people I want to be with and I want to serve and I feel called to be with. And he and I, that's part of it for us. I mean, we're lucky we live in an incredible school system, but we also feel like as Catholics, like we can't always just live in an insular, you know, community. Like we're not afraid to be out there. We're not afraid to be at the public school. We, we believe in what we're able to teach our children and how we're able to raise them and the community and family we have of Catholic people through our parish and our prayer groups and various groups that we're in Bible study groups and stuff like that, that like, we're not, we're not afraid of being there. You know what I mean? And I do think there's a lot of fear factor for a lot of people. And I know there's a lot of people who like Matt Walsh, who bashes all the time and akins or associates sending your children to public school with, you might as well be sending your children directly to hell. Like (laughs) that's not the experience we're having. Our children are thriving. We've made incredible relationships with people. We're not afraid of being Catholic. They are very respectful when we're like, like on Friday, whenever it's a holy day, like they know that I keep my kids. I, I don't usually I'll keep them out for the whole day, but I'll check them out of school and take them to mass and be like, it's a special day for us. We're going to mass. Like I'll check them out of school and you know, and the kids know, like this is, we're set apart in a, in a certain way because we're Catholic and we're doing something that, you know, is not typical for other kids, you know, around here. So anyways, that's sorry. That was my soapbox about no, that's great. That's having really my cool. kids in public school, but for anybody who's out there to all you listeners of catching foxes land, I, I, it gets such a bad rap. And I just like, sometimes feel like somebody needs to stand up and be like, it, it's, it's not the worst place. There are places. I know there are places that are, you don't have a good school system. And so yeah, sending your kids to public school might be sending them to the bowels of hell, but it's not like that for us. And, you know, we're very, um, we pay very close attention to what information is being disseminated and like anything that would be, um, you know, it's funny because almost in a way it's almost more careful. We, we live in a very conservative area still, you know, so all the crazy things that you hear about in the news or see on social media or whatever, it's not like that because this is a very conservative area of the country. You know, we are like the belt buckle of the Bible belt. So things are not to these like crazy extremes of topics and conversations. And most people around here wouldn't tolerate a lot of that, you know, crazy stuff that you see in the news and whatever. And, you know, anyways, that's a whole other topic, but, um, yeah. So anyways, I don't know. I didn't mean to go off on a tangent about public school. No, it's wonderful. (laughs) Sorry. It's great. You know, it is interesting. Like, we homeschool, and it's Oozies. so funny because talking about why you love one way or the other for so many people just hurts everyone's feelings. Yeah, like I remember this one woman was like, "I love homeschooling because like I could just ne- I could never imagine giving up my role as um, as the mother and as the primary educator." And they're like, and already someone's like, "Oh, so you're saying I gave up that role? Right. Is that what you're saying?" It's like. 
Oh, God. <laughs> I know. There's no nice way about this. But, yeah, I mean, like, you go with what works for your family. and Well, and that was. You're the only one who's going to, uh, who's tasked with the job of raising your family. Right. Well, exactly. And that was the one thing I have to say I learned in my years of youth ministry, that that most of my kids who came to the youth group were public school kids. And that's when I realized that I was like. <laughs> They're the most faithful. Well, really. I mean, I was like, these are kids. I mean, there were, well, I wrote a, also talk about being a washed up youth minister, also a washed up blog writer. Many years ago, I wrote a blog <laughs> about um, how like all the different, like there were homeschool kids who were like, oh my gosh, insane, who were in my youth group and who were like sleeping together and like they were crazy. And then there were the homeschool kids who were the like, you know, whatever stereotypical homeschool kid. Are you straight out of a Laura Ingalls Wilder novel? Right, right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and but and I had you know Paul. Do you need to get a hold of Pa? Yeah, can I braid? <laughs> can I braid your hair for you? Oh, you already did it. Okay, you're good. Um, you know, <laughs> there were kids who were. My daughter's reading Farmer Boy right now. <laughs> Aww. Um, you know, and there were public school kids who were crazy and a mess, and there were amazing. Yeah. amazingly faithful and kids who were dying to know their faith from the public schools, amazing families who sent, you know, very involved in the church, sent their kids to public schools. And I had, you know, Catholic school kids who were, oh my gosh. And, um, Catholic school, school kids who were great, you know, like it, it doesn't matter. You know, it was, it was teens are teens are teens. It doesn't matter how you school them. You know, there, some of them are going to be assholes and some of them are going to be great. <laughs> you got 25% who are going to be assholes. You got another 20% who are going to be the sluts. You got about uh 15% are going to be the douches. And who and cares the rest how are cool. you school them? It doesn't matter how you school them. Cause like, that's just personality and gene pool and lots of other things play into that, you know? So anyways, but that was my first really, cause I went to all Catholic school through Franciscan from kindergarten through Franciscan. So that was my first experience of like, so sheltered. Oh, Hey, look at all these families that are like really faithful Catholics and really awesome parents who are doing a good job and their kids all go to public school. Like maybe it's not the worst thing in the world. You know what I mean? Anyways, again. Yeah. In youth group, we used to, we used to talk about that all the time. We were like, why is it that the most faithful kids are the public schoolers? It's, you know, and this isn't universally true, so settle down, human. Right, right. No, generalization. Settle down, people at my parish who might be mad at me for saying <laughs> this. But, like, there are, there is this whole phenomena that because they don't have it, they're more receptive to it. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I just did a whole thing in Canada um, on, uh, or uh, talks at Catholic schools. And I say this all the time to the students. I say, in public school, it's uh, Jesus is Santa Claus. He's like this myth your parents tell you to keep you nice and, and not be naughty. But in Catholic school, Jesus is Napoleon. He's a subject that's important for Western Civ mm. that you have to memorize names, dates, facts, and figures in order to get a good enough grade. But you don't have a personal relationship with Napoleon, and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Right. Let's be honest. And many of them will be like, yeah, no, that, that's it. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't understand what you're talking about mm -hmm. when you talk about this faith thing with Jesus. Like, I really don't. Right. So, and so... I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's just because you have your kids in Catholic school, even if it's a great Catholic school does not mean that magically your kid is going to, now it may mean a host of other positive, good things, yeah. but it's not ipso facto. They're going to have a thriving relationship. With it's called the domestic church people. Never heard of it. Well, how shall we end this? How shall we end this show? To, we're, we're rounding almost two hours now. 
so why don't we end it with what are you what are you uh what are you reading now what are you reading now well i haven't i like to read i'm a big harry potter fan i like the hunger games so i like books i read all of the like this was not recently but i've read like all the maze runner trilogies i kind of like that dystopian yeah future kind of young adult i love maze runner I, I read, every, oh, they <laughs> I read were great. the first three or four, yeah. I, and I, I like those kind of books. I like young adult novels because they're, they, they're not hugely investing, like making your mind be overly taxed. But at the same time, they're not, as opposed to like adult novels, they're still kind of grappling with a lot of moral questions. And like, they're still generally pretty clean. Which, because I don't, I don't like to read, you know, whatever, a lot of stuff. So I haven't found anything in a while in that vein that um, I have really wanted to read. I, I read the Harry Potter series like every year because I love Harry Potter. Yes. Just for the fun of it. I like to read them all just for fun. And I cannot wait to read it with my son starting probably maybe next year. We just read uh, Willy Wonka and the, or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory to my children, which is a whole funny thing if you haven't read that recently. There's so many things. It's been a long time. Well, it's so, you know, it's written in the, like, 60s or 50s or whatever, and the kids were like, what does that mean? And it was really funny with some of the expressions and things. Um, <laughs> but there's a really good book. I just, I've read it in the past, and I just pulled it off the shelf to read again. Um, I just started it called, um, this is more for your female listeners, but anybody could read it. It's called My Sisters the Saints. Oh, it's a great book. By, um, yeah, Colleen Carroll. It's Colleen excellent. Colleen Carroll something. Yeah. Yes, very excellent. Very good for, um dabbling into some of the women saints doctors of the women doctors of the church and various things like that um like i said i read it a few years ago and i was like eh, I, I really like that book i want to bust it out and read it again so um that's the most random now have you ever heard of the book my badass book of saints i have had that on my amazon list forever and i've never read it the author is super cool is it and I, she did a superhero super heroines and saints yeah where she goes through and takes nice. a superhero character and then compares it to a a saint and compares him to like a living Catholic who's embodying this stuff right now. Oh, it's cool. Really cool. I so like, it's like that. Straight role model. That's awesome. Stuff. Yeah. I like that. I like that. So what, what shows are y'all watching these days? That's what I want to know. Well, you're not watching TV Gomer cause you gave it up. Cause PX 90. Yeah. No, not Loser. PX 90. That's what I <laughs> He's not Dallas Carter. hey let me tell you about px90 this is the p90x this is so funny (laughs) i literally stole borrowed a youth minister chris frank i borrowed his p90 handsome uh yeah so handsome uh like a decade ago and i just found them and they are sitting underneath my tv right now poor chris (laughs) and i saw him at i saw him at an event and i was like Hey man, I found your P90X DVDs, and he's like, "That's where they went." <laughs> it's okay. I actually, I accidentally stole um, Ryan Walsh's entire collection of CDs for three years. <laughs> it's fine. Did it, I didn't mean to do that. Oh, I, I, I think I had a roommate at Franciscan who stole a lot of CDs from me <laughs> and clothes. I was like, "What happened to all that stuff?" I'm pretty sure she was a klepto. So, anyways. Oh, there you go. Oh, there you go. <laughs> okay, uh, cool shows that I'm watching. Um, oh gosh, Gomer. They don't have to be cool, but. You go first if there's anything good that that, uh, you've been watching. Uh, I haven't. Oh, shoot. Um, uh, The World Series? Go Astros. Look at you. (laughs) Of course. Oh, all my Houstonian friends. Yeah. They've been having some emotions this week. Yeah, I literally am teaching a class tomorrow on uh, grace, salvation, and beatitude. And I'm like, hey, guys, instead of starting at 715, we're starting at 615. 
class is over at seven. I don't care if it's not formative enough. Altuve's here. That's funny. Mad respect. That's funny. I don't. Really, I can't yeah. think of what I'm watching. I don't. I don't think I'm watching any no shows. So these shows, yeah, I'm getting very PX ninety or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Except you're nice and you actually uh, talk to people. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a deep cut there. Um, so I've so there's a film coming out. I think in a couple of weeks called The Irishman by Martin Scorsese. Looks awesome, oh. and I love. I love. It's like. I don't know if, it, if 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 it's his last um, movie or not, but it's with Al Pacino and Robert De Niro, Harvey Keitel, and Joe Pesci. You got Joe Ooh. Pesci to come out of retirement, and I just what? love I love Scorsese. So I've been doing kind of like a deep dive into his old films. I watched on um, Mean Streets, which was his first big um, breakout um, movie. It's really weird, huh. but it's it's like. It's what made him him, and so it's it's actually considered to be like one of the top ten films of all time. And I've just never, I've never seen it. And I'm like, this seems kind of bad in during certain parts, but it's it's kind of one of those things where I think it is good, and it kind of haunts you. And it actually has this really cool, um, basically. So it stars Harvey Keitel, and he's this like kind of Christ tortured, um, low level mob guy who feels like you know who knows he's going to be unpunished for the bad things that he does. So he tries to do good, but it just ends up like, but just like more bad stuff happens. And at first I was like, this movie kind of sucks. And I was like, okay, or this really could be, you know, they're how they're they're like certain albums, kind of like pet sounds or something that you hear them. And you're like, why is this like a classic? And then you have to have a person go, because this is the first one to ever do this. It was. It's the first real. It came out in nineteen. I think it was in like seventy three, where they kind of put like classic rock, which at the time was just like rock music, uh, to these like mob films. <laughs> if that makes you know, so you know how like in a lot of Scorsese films, you've got the like here's the cream thing, or like here are the stones. There's this shot or whatever. Um, like um, no film had ever really done that before in that way. And then it kind of sticks with you and kind of like haunts you a little bit. So I actually, so yeah, so I've been on a Scorsese kick, not so much a TV show kick. Long way of explaining that. I used to watch movies. Oh, I remember when I used to watch movies. <laughs> Three kids ago. <laughs> I know. Well, and I used to like really be into films like big time. Actually, I really wanted to go to film school after Franciscan. I was like super into it, and then my life veered into youth ministry in completely different directions. And direction. then EWTN yes. killed all killed, of your dreams, killed all of my hopes and dreams, and that was the end of it. So, but I did. I was like way, and I wanted to do cinematography. I was like super inspired, so nerdy, so Franciscan by the Lord of the Rings movies, and I was like, oh my gosh, the cinematography. Do you remember how big of a deal that was? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I was obsessed with the movies and the books, and I was like, the cinematography is, like, amazing and beautiful, and, I mean, it still is, and I was like, that's what I want to do, and I didn't pursue those dreams in any way, shape, or form, and now I live in a suburb of Birmingham, Alabama. Yay to the death of dreams. <laughs> yes. I'm living a different dream. <laughs> Were um, you on campus when everyone went through the Moulin Rouge phase, or was that after? I think maybe after you had... That was after. Pat Duffy led Mulan Rouge. Uh, I, uh, yeah, uh, yes, totally. I know Pat Duffy. Mulan, <laughs> are you kidding me? That's an amazing album. That is such. Oh, come on. How can you not love? I I, I love the the soundtrack really, honestly, more than the movie. I mean, the movie. I was uh, what's his face? Baz Luhrmann. I was a big Baz Luhrmann 
I saw the Romeo and Juliet of his when I came out whenever I was in high school, probably 16 or 17. Oh, you were that perfect age. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Obsessed with Leonardo DiCaprio in that movie. Saw it in the theater probably like five times because I was like. As an aged. It is. It was so great. Oh, my gosh. That was such a great Luke, movie. did you say it has not aged? I said uh, has an age implying like Leonardo D- DiCaprio doesn't really age because that's because that's what money will do to you. He, he looks great. No, I'm just saying he looks awesome. I mean, yeah, yeah, for an old guy, he's no Matt. <laughs> he, he, he's he, no Matt Damon. That's what I was going to say. Or Matthew Damon, <laughs> as you called him in the last podcast. I'm like, what are you, his mother, Matthew Damon? It Did I so say funny. that? Yes, you called him Matthew Damon like three times, and you were referring to Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, that, that is, is the so weirdest weird. thing. It was very weird. Every time I hear his name, I always, uh, I always um, go Matt Damon. Matt Damon. That's a wonderful. I love movie. him. He's great. He has aged well, I think. Oh yeah. Oh, but, I, um, should we all be so lucky? Oh I, well. Hey, thanks for giving me a chance. Yeah, to, no, of to, course. To be on the show. You should have taken a chance on me when you had like way less listeners because I feel like people are going to be like, what the hell is this person talking about? 